I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Hi. all of you listeners. It's us. It's me. It's Grant. Uh, we are starting a cult. We're back. We're better than ever, because fuck you. That's why. <laughs> You're speaking so much softer than we just were. I know. I had to tone it down. <laughs> we were just yelling at each other. It was, uh, I had to tone it down. There's no, so yeah. much shit happening in here. Ooh, the lights just turned down. That's good. Are we just going to ignore the fact that we were all speaking Russian <laughs> in Russian accents for about thirty minutes? Yeah, yeah. I was hoping we would ignore it, that fact. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's out. It's out now. <laughs> we couldn't help ourselves. No, we, yeah. Dude, this podcast wasn't even to start. No, oh, it, we're like four hours behind schedule. Yeah, it's perfect. It's really late. <laughs> I'm Jake. I'm the other host. Yeah, we're France. here with uh, Matt. Uh, same guys. Typical. Matt is also Georgie for anyone who might be confused. Yeah, you you probably know me as Georgie, but my real name is Matt. It is true. Wow. Such insight. <laughs> Such beauty. Fuck you. We're giving you all I the want people here. to be confused about the voices. That yeah, that that was Mitch. He's leaning on my shoulder. We're touching tongues. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Well, that's pretty creepy. Just get it. No, it's We've been we, we've been friends for too long. It's not weird. It's just normal. That's how we greet right. each other. Wisconsin. We already did oh. that. There's a whole episode about that, oh. man. No, no, I know what that means. <laughs> I know what he means too. He means <laughs> about me and Mitchell. Where should, Mitchell should we <laughs> should we should we say? <laughs> Let's just say it wasn't sexual, but me and Mitchell got way too close for comfort. Hey, hey, where am I? I was trying to get you out of bed. It was fun though. I. uh... I won't it was say the first I thing that I woke it. up to was hearing that. It yeah. Was... So anyways, today, anyway, yeah. Anyway, we're gonna talk about. Uh... That's all for this week. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Email us with guesses as to what happened. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Um, yeah. So today we're doing uh, urban legends again. But today, I don't know. I, at least some of the things I got. They're just weird, uh, spooky, real things. Yeah, I wouldn't. Even, I don't even know if they are urban legends. They're just real. They're just things. really. Yeah, all mine are really creepy things that actually happened. It. Yeah, it's strange. Because uh, so, it's Halloween season. It is. Right. It, it, it's yeah, weird. It is. So I'll start us off here with uh, actually probably one of the only urban legends that I have, and that would be Turnbull Canyon. 
Yeah. Anybody have any guesses where this one's going? Turnbull. Yep. Mitchell's right here. He could read it. I don't want him That's to not read fair. it. Um, any guesses before we dive in? Do people just jump into the canyon? No, not at all. Do they come out of the canyon? No. What happens with the canyon? Do people Did Native Americans live there? At a certain point in time, yes. Do people steer their bowls into the canyon? Shut up. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that will play a part <laughs> later on in another story we have. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Possibly. Okay, okay. So, um, let's say this is out in uh, North America, right? Just so everybody knows it's in America. <laughs> Somewhere. Out in California. <laughs> nice. And um, uh, the Native Americans <laughs> used to uh, live out there in sunny Southern California, and they used to refer to this area as Hotognak. Hotognak. Not Socal. I I can't pronounce it. I'm trying my hardest. Hotugmi. Honey tugmi. Hotugnagunya. You know what that means. Hotugnagunya. Yeah, I mean. Um, and suppose. Honey tug me. <laughs> and supposedly that means the dark place. There's there's so much shit that I can't pronounce in this. Gabrielanos. That's uh they it's also nice, called it yeah. that. Grab my anus. Jesus. You are firing this <laughs> It is up. nice to be on the other side of this. Usually I'm the one struggling with pronunciation. But uh yeah, so we'll we'll go back here a little bit. How about this? Huh? Uh in 1845, the Spanish governor of Alta California he took most of this land, which is uh, in now white here, uh, California, and uh, he sold it to two white settlers, John Rowland and William Workman. Is that why it's called white here? I don't know. Uh, the whites are here. Whitier. Whitier. White here. White here. All right. Yeah, proceed. Um, they ran a fur trapping business on this 49,000 acre spread right on the present site of Turnbull Canyon. And, um, well, they kind of, they didn't have any raids anymore previous to before, so they were kind of calm and nice. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, then the Indians began working for, uh, Whiteman, or Workman, sorry, William Workman. You guys got me thinking of <laughs> fucking other shit now. <laughs> you weren't wrong when you said Whiteman. But... Yeah, he's a white man. Um, so they started working for him, and they would report back to him, and say that they were seeing ghosts and witches in the canyon. And they did not like it, so they stopped working for him. And then um, he eventually lost all of his money because of this, and there was problems with the government and the land, and he shot himself in the head in 1876. Oh, so this happened way back in the day. Yeah. Um, now, fast forward a little bit. During the Great Depression, rumors began circulating that Turnbull Canyon was the site of strange rituals involving children and a baby-selling cult. Wait, uh, okay, I just got They're really selling confused. babies. Baby-selling things? A, yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought you were just like, and a baby-selling cult. I was like, like horses? Like a no, baby-selling no, horses? the cult was selling okay. babies. Did they have a baby farm? So it's farm? like, a, it was like a, a satanic thing? I'm not sure if they had a baby farm, but they, they, it, was, it was weird. Just preschools, baby farms. Like a carp farm, or just like a. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a big fish tank <laughs> for carp. Yeah. Um, in the 1930s, there uh, was an insane asylum 
in the weed-filled area of Turnbull Canyon, which was just a boring old pasture. And uh, that burnt down in the 1940s. But a lot of the equipment there was still left in the field. And in 1962, a group of teenagers were having a little party in the ruins. And the story goes that uh, one of the electric chairs survived. And he sat down in it and he died. From from electrocution? No one knows. I don't know. It's what? A, that's where the legend <laughs> comes in. You know, it's like the that's the lore that the ghost maybe did it. I don't go know. okay, I all right. It's just like a, it's just a little hodgepodge of whatever you want it to be. He's just dead. Uh, people also say they see um, ghosts of children, potentially victims of this kidnapping cult. Um, figures swinging from gallows that are shadows. You know. Yeah. Um, in October of two thousand two, a uh, a this is real. A seventeen year old girl was killed. And later dragged behind a car for five miles on a dirt road. And uh, an, a motorcycle officer was killed by a drunk driver. Uh, they believe he was racing around Turnbull Canyon Road in September of 2005. Uh, I guess it's like a really twisty, turny type of road, you know, out there in California. Yeah, sounds good. And, uh, yeah, so a couple people have actually died uh, on the road. And then another cop was actually killed there. By drifters. Well, he was on night dispatch. They shot the cop in the back. When was that? In 2007. Hmm. How about that? Didn't know they were in. Oh. It's, a lot of people just say it's weird. Uh, it's prominent in this book called Weird California. Yeah, kind of like the weird Indiana things or the, what is it, haunted Indiana? Yeah. Ones that we uh, went through for the it Indiana seems, episode. It seems like just a particularly strange area with a lot of... Uh, Different little ghouls and goblin things. type things happening yeah, there. Yeah. That's uh yeah, that's a little intro for you. That's Turnbull Canyon. Nice. Nice. Get ready. Wait, wait, wait. What go on. Are we not touching up on what were they selling the babies for? Dude, it was like the depression. People were just selling babies. What were they doing with them? Fucking selling them for money. <laughs> what were they doing yeah, with them? What, what happened to them? Yeah. Do you really want to know what they did with these kids? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, if they weren't sex slaves or forced into child labor, they were probably killed or shipped off somewhere to be adopted by, like, rich people. Yeah, see, this is what we need to say. That's that's spooky. Well, that wasn't the part of the story, but I, I guess... Well, that's the main thing I was concerned about. They were just selling it's babies? It's like, all people are just seeing shadows kids, and dude. dumb people are getting dragged by cars. Were they eating the babies? Were they... Dude... Yeah, who knows? Putting man. it in depression porridge. Dude, poor people We're back in the it day. In a time capsule and get to open it up a hundred years <laughs> later, and you have a full adult. Dude, back in the day, poor people would do crazy shit with babies because they were fucking worth money. Some fucking super rich guy that couldn't have a kid, he'd buy that baby. Twenty-five shillings. <laughs> Twenty-five shillings. Uh, that I, seems like a large amount. That, I don't it know. Seems like it. I don't know if it's actually a genuine amount of money. Uh, I don't know what shillings. Pounds are more than shillings. I know that. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. I'm pretty sure shillings were like the they were like the change of pounds. We have like cents and dollars, and pounds would be dollars and shillings would be cents. Yeah, that's That's what I I believe. Any amount of shillings is just not not very good. No, it'd be 25 pounds. No, you ever hear the saying? Oh, this guy's a few shillings short of a pound? Uh, no, because I'm not 150 years old. Mitchell. 
All right, do you want to get into some goat man action? Uh, yeah, as long as it's not the Zach Baggins goat man. No, no, this one is uh, from a creek. Oh, yeah, because that's, where they, that's yeah. where they hang out, right? Yeah. Along the fucking creek bed. Yeah, so he's known as the Pope Lick Monster. You know why they call him that, right? What? Because he really likes to eat corn. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> that was, oh, God. Matt, your jokes are getting worse. Are no, you okay? no, you're going to sit in the fact that you just said that. All Is right. Morgan treating you okay? Because there's something wrong. Laugh with me, buddy. This yeah. is your chance to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so no. Yeah, he's known as the public monster. Uh, Back he, to Roland Doe, I Roland see. Roland huh? <laughs> And he hails from... Uh, that was a priest joke. That was, was good. He hails from Fisherville, a neighborhood of uh, Louisville, Kentucky, under a bridge crossing Pope Lick Creek. <laughs> wait, wait, what was under the bridge? That, is that where he's the from? The monster. That's oh, okay. where he lives. I was, it, all I heard was, all I heard was like Louisville, Kentucky, and under a bridge, and that caught me for a second. I was like, "What's under this bridge?" But there's a goat under it's this the monster. Bridge. It's the goat man. It sounds like a classic troll under the bridge story. Yeah, but it's maybe, a goat man. Maybe he is said to be a part man, part goat, and part sheep. Wait, what part is the sheep? <laughs> I don't know what part is the sheep. Maybe he has wool that can be sheared. There's pictures of him. He looks pretty freaky. What's but... the What's the ratio? What's the yeah, ratio? Yeah, look up of the picture human... just so we can see. All right, never mind. I'll... I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just post it later on. But uh, yeah, some say move. the monster was once a circus freak who vowed revenge on humanity for being uh, mistreated. That's a good story. Right? I like that. And actually. he's said to have escaped uh, from a train car that derailed near the bridge. Right? Okay. 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 So now he lives there. Others but he say, didn't even venture off. He just stayed <laughs> under the bridge. <laughs> Where's he going to go? He's going to get a job. That's true. Yeah. That'd be a good fucking, that'd be a great <laughs> idea. Like, hey, I'm working at your sitcom. local pub. Just different jobs. But others say that the monster uh, is a reincarnated farmer. Uh, from the area that was said to have sacrificed goats to Satan in exchange for demonic powers. Wow. What a demonic power to just come back as a to fucking To be a goat, goat man, man, I guess. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you've, why? You've why, done it. Why is he so menacing? Well, he's a goat Why man. is he so menacing? I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now. Yeah, okay, tell me. Tell no, yeah, I'll tell I have you. my own ideas. It's said that the public monster uses voice mimicry. And others claim that he can hypnotize people Ooh. to lure the victims out into the middle of the bridge... As trains are fast approaching. <laughs> How fucking stupid. That's the whole thing. So <laughs> How dumb do you have to be? You're like, that's I why hear so, this guy calling me. I think me. that's why hypnosis is the cop-out. They're just like, yeah, I, I was following my friend's voice, but I don't seem like as much of a fucking idiot if I just tell him I was that hypnotized. Was, oh, yeah, those who, uh, those who don't die from the train often die from jumping uh, off the bridge to avoid it. And there are very oh. few uh, people that actually survive that. I wonder if he eats them. I would hope so. I would How hope there's something thrive? that he's getting out of it. Money, sexual pleasure. I can't imagine money. So has anyone actually died? Yes. <laughs> That's what he just <laughs> That's said. That's the whole thing. He said a lot of people have A lot of people survived. died. Oh, like how many? I don't know the exact number. Is oh. <laughs> they just say like people go out to this bridge and like either get hit by trains or jump off. And the ones who die can't really blame it on the Pope Lick monster, but there are some who have survived that do blame it on that. So I they think supposedly have all these people are just too. really dumb. 
Yeah. And they're blaming something else. Yeah. Pe- many people wrongfully assume that the bridge is no longer in use by trains. But that is just not... That's not the case. Uh, yeah. These, uh, these occurrences are so frequent, people are going out there and dying, that uh, law enforcement's set up a bunch of fences, and if anyone goes in that area, they just get arrested. That's good. Yeah. Arrest them before they can die. So there's a goat man whispering in your mother's voice to go to the center of this bridge. The goat bridge. man's actually working for the police. Probably. Let's get rid of the rabble-rousers. I like that. Yeah. So that's the Popelik monster. He's still there. He's still there. Supposedly. I don't know. We'll have to find out and go there. I, that, I I'm down to go. Out. There's that creationism museum. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Ken Ham. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to go see what that's all yeah, about. They get the Henry Ford Museum there, too, in Kentucky. Yeah. And the Pope Lick Monster. I'm so interested in the Henry Ford Museum. That's yeah. interesting. It's interesting. Oh, any color as long as it's black? All right, yeah. yeah. I was like, let me tell you a story about a bridge. <laughs> that was me just now. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that was a good story about a bridge, though. Yeah, it was. Like, I like deaths at bridges. That just sounds fun. Oh, you're in, you're in for some uh, good stuff later. Oh, right? I'm ready. All right, I'm gonna take you guys somewhere. I don't know. I, I guess remotely far. No, it's kind of close. Where uh, is we're, it? We're going to Georgia. Okay. We're only what two states from Kentucky? It's a distance, but it's not far. I guess. But we're going to Georgia. Um, this is supposedly the Cursed Lake of Georgia. How about that? Uh, It is in the northern part of Georgia, sprawled out among the foothills of the North Georgia Mountains for 26 miles. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, just interesting. It's called Lake Sydney Lanier. Lake Lanier, pretty much. Oh, okay. Lake Lanier. So, Lake Lanier... It um it's a man made lake. Just let's put that out there now, okay? Um it definitely started with uh a lot of problems because the construction was very delayed and they didn't know how to do it. Then they were running into like political problems of where the water would go, who would be ha- or who would have access to it, if it would be used as a water supply or for hydroelectricity, blah 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 blah. That it was a whole thing. Then they were bringing up, like, endangered species in the Chattahoochee River area. And so it was a whole thing. Um, the actual building of it was extremely destructive. Um, the government, the United States government, purchased land from private companies, farmers, individuals, and anyone who lived in that area. And that was where the lake was going to be. So what they did is they knocked all that shit down. And they built a lake in five years. They bought over 50,000 acres of farmland. How about that? Shit ton of land. That's quite a, quite a lot. They moved uh, 250 families, 15 businesses, and 20 cemeteries in the process. <laughs> this is nice. just a concoction of bad news. Um, so pretty much, what, funny enough, is that they said some of the things that they didn't have time to tear down are actually fully intact under the water. So there's houses and buildings that are completely intact that were just flooded because they ran out of time. Why did they need to, like, expedite this lake? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so there's there's boats down there. There's houses. There's random walls. There's roads that are just under the water in complete 
perfect condition. Sounds fun. That's just creepy in an entire sense. Um, so over the years, they've had a lot of weird things, a lot of death, believe it or not, if you believe Wait, that. Wait, you said there was the cemeteries. Did they move the stones? You just moved everything? the stones. You left the bodies. Oh, I love that. What, what, what happened with that? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Right, so we don't know. So in 2011, there were a total of 17 deaths at Lake Lanier. Okay. And um, Wait, 2007? 2011. 2011, really? And that's when it began to get public attention. And there's a lot of shit. Um, funny enough, um, Usher's ex-wife, Tamika Foster... Oh, yeah, Tamika. Her son was killed at this lake in a boating accident. Uh, his friend was severely injured in a boating accident. Um, a nine-year-old named Jack Prince and his brother Griffin were riding on a pontoon when they were struck and killed by a speedboat. <laughs> sounds like there's just a yeah, bunch maybe. of drunks on this lake. No, no, no. These no. people shouldn't be in boats. You'll, uh, we'll get to it sounds later. Sounds like they just don't know how to drive these boats. Don't worry, we'll get to it later. So this is where the internet and the news kind of like went nuts, right? And they were just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, so Lake Lanier, before this, was just a regular old town, I guess you would call it. But uh, here we go. So this was in 2015. Uh, a man by the name of Kelly Nash was 25 years old, and he went missing on January 5th. On that morning at 4 a.m., he awoke with flu-like symptoms, coughing and sneezing all over the place like a jackass. Uh, right. And he told his girlfriend, Jessica Sexton, he told her that uh, he felt like shit and needed to go see a doctor before getting back to bed. Uh, Jessica woke up at 7.30 to find that he was gone and he didn't take his wallet, his car keys, or his ID with him. Uh, when he had not returned by that evening, the cops were called, and uh, the only thing missing from his room was a 9 millimeter pistol, and mm. uh, everything else was in place. And uh, they brought out the dogs, they brought out family and friends, they brought out cops, and a $50,000 reward for any information. And then on February 8th of the same year, they found his decomposed body wash up on shore because a fisherman found it. And uh, there was a bullet wound to his head, and he was still wearing his pajamas. And nobody knows why or how that happened. Uh, it's just strange. The ultimate sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then you got this bitch, uh, Hannah True Love. <laughs> Moving on. Hannah True Love. This was in August of 2012. Uh, her her body was founded in a wooded area, uh, lakeside, with multiple stab wounds into it. And uh, these were after a series of tweets on her personal Twitter that she believed she was having a stalker. How about that? That sounds like a terrible tragedy. Yeah, that no, was bad. <laughs> was that... Where was she Where was she found by the lake? Just like... They said she was in like a little foresty area, like on the side of the lake. All right. Wasn't in the water, but it was there. Um, then this was probably the most notorious case that happened there. This was in April of 1958, 
A young lady who worked at the Riverside Military Academy, Delia Parker Young, and her friend Susie Roberts, were heading out downtown in Susie's 1954 Ford for the night out. They were going to go have some fun, you know, get fucked up. Girls not on the town. They never came back. Um, Sometimes it ends like that. (laughs) What happens is uh, they investigated and they found that they had visited a gas station that night and left without paying any any bill. They just booked it out there. The only clue that was left at the scene were a set of skid marks across the road, which seemed to suggest that the car had skidded off of Lanier Bridge and into the lake below. Yet no vehicle was found. They just couldn't do anything about it. Uh, for 18 months, the cops still investigated and... Uh, They eventually were giving up on somebody when a fisherman made a gruesome discovery when uh, a decomposed body washed up. They thought it was Delia Parker, Mm. and uh, they could not identify it. It was missing two toes from the left foot and two fingers from each hand, and they never figured out why the hands or toes or the fingers or toes were missing, and they really couldn't find any cause of death other than drowning was the best guess. Yeah. Um, with no way of knowing if this corpse belonged to Delia, it was actually buried uh, in an unmarked grave in a cemetery nearby, and um, the body of Susie Roberts and the car remained missing. And then in November of 1990, 32 years later, they dredged the lake because they were building, uh, they were updating the bridge and they were putting the pillars in for the expansion. And they uncovered the rusted-out hulk of a 1954 Ford, which held within it the remains of a human body. It was still intact? Yep, fully intact. Gross. (laughs) The car had been hidden underneath tree trunks and mud and 90 feet of water on a steep slope in the middle of the lake. Uh, They believed the body to be unidentifiable. And uh, after a long, long DNA test... They found that it was the body of Susie Roberts, who was also missing a few fingers and toes. And since then, no one's come forward with why or how this happened. And they, that I guess that's kind of how this thing started with it being haunted. And uh, they often call her the Lady of the Lake. How about Ooh. that? No, I've heard that. Classic. And then um, a lot of people uh, say that actually have survived like swimming in this lake report that uh, even though they're decent swimmers to good swimmers, it feels as almost though there are hands underneath the water pulling you in deeper to the lake. And that a lot of people, especially locals, refused to swim in it. They refused. Jesus. Just out of fear. And then, just on the funny side, a lot of people that live around the lake actually say that after midnight, they see a small, small boat with a man in a black hood slowly rowing through the water. And when they call out to him, he disappears. It's the Grim Reaper. Maybe. The nautical Grim Reaper. And then on the funny side of it, they say that there are five to eight foot long catfish in this lake. Oh my God. Which is just (laughs) weird in general, because they're like, we don't know why this shit's here, but they're huge and they're in our lake. And uh, the biggest one they ever caught in that lake was three feet, ten inches. Ever Mm. caught, just saying. All right. Reports are different than being caught. Well, maybe they like fingers and toes. Ooh, maybe see? they do. 
dot connection. Giant cash fish. But yeah, she died. Cash fish. She died like a terrible death, I think. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah, was. She probably she drowned. Was, she was yeah, missing her fingers car. and toes. I think she she drowned in a car at the bottom of an, a lake. Yeah, ninety feet. <laughs> that's that's terrible. She got so hungry. She had to use her Dude, she probably and get, toes. she was probably just wasted. She got drunk and like started driving on one of the roads down below there. But yeah, that's Lake Lanier. It's a Lanier. I like that story, but I was reading that uh, earlier today. It's very cheerful, you know. But see, it's it's a good. It's. <laughs> Is, this kind of shows you how urban legends are born, you know, like fucked up shit happens there, and then it just spins out of control. Yeah. There you go. Lake well, Lanier. Jesus. A lot of dead people, terrible waves, spooky ghosts, and big fish. Suck and on that towns. one. Suck towns underneath. Suck a Trebek. But <laughs> so the next uh next thing I got, it's uh it's not like a legend or anything. It's uh it's far scarier than that. It's known as the Doodler. He is a serial killer. The Doodler. No, not Doodle Bob. It's the Doodler. Yeah, we were actually going to do this topic a long yeah, time we ago. Were, but like it, and we just we couldn't do it. It, yeah. was just, it wasn't enough to sustain. Yeah, the story's pretty quick, but it is still it's a good one. real and pretty terrifying. It's so a good one. It was a serial killer uh, known as the Doodler or the Black Doodler. Black Doodler. Black Doodler. So, Dibs on that name. <laughs> for fantasy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> he's out there killing would, people. I don't know if you want to be this guy after this. Um, he's an unidentified serial killer uh, responsible for 14 deaths and three assaults for on uh, specifically gay men in San Francisco, California. And uh, he was only active for under two years uh, between January of 1974 and September of 75. But, uh, yeah, he got his name through uh, the means of which... The means that he would use to lure in his victims. Uh, he would hang out in like gay bars and restaurants known to frequent gay people back then. Oh, and, ho, ho. Yeah. and uh, he would woo unsuspecting victims by drawing a quick little portrait of them. Because apparently he was very good at drawing. Oh, really? He was very good at the arts. Did he draw him... Killing them? Wouldn't that be just even creepier? Here's what I'm about to do. <laughs> he just he leaves it on the body. Here's this beautiful portrait of you with a spike in your head. I think we should bring this to life. And here's me masturbating behind your corpse. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. <laughs> if you look here, on page 37, you can actually see that I am extremely aroused by this scenario. Oh my god. I just assume he was aroused, right? I mean... Oh yeah, I Probably. Who would be? He so yeah yeah I mean he would woo them he would woo them with these little sketches, and then he would invite them outside where he would lead them to uh, an area out of sight and he would stab them repeatedly in their backs and the fronts of their torsos. <laughs> Backstabber. Backstabber all that, the way. That's how you know he's a real professional at what he does. <laughs> the fact that he killed dudes. Well, yeah, yeah it's yeah, a profession. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, it's a it's a profession. And you know what? He got what he wanted through his own art. Isn't that just the dream? Wow, that, this right? guy's a poet. I know. Someone should write a book about this guy. I'm looking at you, Matt. As <laughs> <laughs> the guy that hasn't read a book in like 10 years. <laughs> you mean ever? <laughs> Me as the guy who hasn't read a book in 10 yeah, years. Yeah, we, could tell, we can tell you Matt, haven't read a book. Matt, right? what's the, the words and the sentences and the pages. Matt, what's the last book you read that wasn't mandatory? Have you ever read a book that wasn't? I read Moby Dick. 
No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> I, I read Moby Dick. I Matt, shit was stupid. <laughs> Matt, Matt, <laughs> who wrote Moby Dick? Uh, Ishmael. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's the guy in the book. It's Herman Melville. <laughs> No, you idiots. It was Dr. Seuss. <laughs> you guys don't know anything about literature. Yeah, those 400 pages about whale anatomy in the middle there. Wait, I want to talk some shit real quick. Remember, I was like, hey, that new Clutch song's out. It's uh, Emily Dickinson. I was like, who's Emily Dickinson? You're like, God, Matt, it's an author. I was like, oh, what, what's she write? And all you guys were like, nah, I don't know. Fuck you guys. It's a poet. <laughs> what the fuck? You idiot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, yeah, that's not my forte, bro. All the all the like titles of her her works like she, they were all untitled and she died so all the titles of them are the first lines of the yeah, poems. Well, she just sounds like one big sad sap. She was she was incredibly sad. <laughs> Jake's the poet guy. Okay, I don't know anything. About I have a poetry. degree in it, and I'm jobless. <laughs> all right. I don't know anything. I know, um, uh. It, I don't even know that. <laughs> we, gotta get, we gotta get through the doodler. I can't even bullshit poetry now, which I just can't do it. I remember I was in a poetry class with you, and like along the side of the page, and that the left chick was side, freaking me out the whole time. Yeah, there was that, that one too. But on the left side of the page, you just wrote Bigfoot with the first letter of each line. Yeah, Bigfoot is real. Yeah, Bigfoot is. Real. <laughs> no one knew what it was. Our teacher was like, Grant, I noticed that uh, your poem actually says Bigfoot is real along the side of it. And everyone was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> everyone was so interested. Dude, they hated me in that class. They hated great. you. They absolutely, I think they hated both of us. But anyway, <laughs> so he killed he killed gay, gay guys in uh, California. Isn't that just so funny? Yeah, but uh, so, <laughs> no, it's not funny at all. But so police originally believed that... Uh, to be, for there to be up to three assailants at the time, they didn't know if uh, all these were connected. The deaths. And, Wait, uh, what, when was this? It was in 1974 to 75. I, okay, th- I don't, I don't need this to be taken the wrong way. I know you guys won't take it the wrong way. In a in a realistic viewpoint, do we think the cops cared at all about this case at this time? Probably like not. a in guy America? killing gay dudes. No, probably. In the the, 70s? I'll, I'll get into that. Okay, okay. For sure. But so, yeah, police originally thought that there was like around three assailants because they didn't connect them all. But uh, later evidence led them to believe that it was a single man because um, there were three victims that survived, but they refused to testify in court in fear of being outed as gay in the public eye. Okay, okay. And so that, uh, so no suspects that the police brought in could be positively identified by them because they were so afraid of being outed. Mick Jagger was because a suspect. Was, <laughs> really? <laughs> I'd, I don't I'd know. believe it. I, don't I know. just don't like Mick Jagger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of sucks. <laughs> Mick Jagger's not very good. No, I don't like him. But, uh, yeah, so in May of... Uh, he he was never caught, basically. he they, it, it went cold. But in May of 2018, uh, the case was reopened due to scientific uh, advances... In the DNA analysis uh, uh, little area, you know, in the CSI Miami part yeah, of the department, exactly. All those shows happened, and then science caught up. Yeah, they all took a page out of that book. LL Cool J's on TV solving crimes. There you go. There you go. Made science cool. But hey, in uh, <laughs> made science cool, Jay. But in uh, in February of 2019. Uh, Police offered a hundred thousand dollars to anyone with information leading uh, leading to the arrest of the killer, and there's an updated sketch of the doodler 
that came out. <laughs> the dude like, this <laughs> to like account for how old he would be now. It's just so this like just happened this year in February. Dude. It's just Elton John. <laughs> it's like this is a picture of Elton John. Uh, yeah, the F- the FBI is keeping their eyes peeled in those gay pride parades, looking for a black 95-year-old. Well, that's got to be a hard job. They're like, we got to catch this guy, but we, we just don't have the evidence. All we know is that he's a gay man from the 1970s. Basically. <laughs> that's yeah. all we have to go. Do you like art? Are you an old gay man that likes to draw? Draw my You picture. might be a criminal. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me see. He looks like Cleveland Brown's dad. He's pretty scary Dude. looking. <laughs> he looks like Jason without his mask on. <laughs> Just like older black gentleman. Then. That's about it. He Why did he have hair in the first one and he's bald now? <laughs> he's wearing a hat, maybe? He definitely looks creeper, creepy as shit in 75. 2018, he just looks like He looks like a, a like uh, Like Schmeagel or something. Schmeagel before the ring? No, that was a handsome little hobbit before the ring. Mm, yeah, I don't know anything about. Lord you don't of know Lords. anything about Lord of the Rings. Has anybody Rings? seen an average-height bald man? It's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, here in, in Southern California. All right. Yeah, that's pretty much it for the Dueler. But yeah, it was reopened, uh, and like a hundred thousand dollars was offered this feel, year. I'm gonna feel like an idiot when they catch this guy, and I talked all this shit, but now they're gonna be like, "We got him." That'd that'd be cool. It'd restore my faith would, in the. Yeah, whatever they the do. Departments. I don't give yeah. a shit. So the dude was out there. <laughs> you don't give a shit. This is a note to all of you guys. If you're being hit on by a 95, potentially 90-year-old African-American male that asks you to have a picture drawn of you, run away, or call the police, you might get $100,000. Just so you all know. Maybe. You probably won't. You, you on the probably up and up? won't, uh, but who knows. Yeah. That's the doodler. That is the doodler. I like that name, too. That was pretty much all the information on it. That's why we couldn't do a full episode. Yeah, it's a, it doesn't. It almost doesn't exist. I found more than I found when we originally were trying to do it this time, honestly. <laughs> it's intriguing. Um, I'm going to take you guys up to uh, the Hamptons for this next one. Oh, yeah. We're How going all that? around America. We're going up to the East Coast. Um... I, Matt, I know you're familiar with it. Jake, I also know you're familiar with it. Mitch, I don't think you've watched it. You, uh, you guys know Stranger Things, you know? Yeah, you know? yeah I'm watching yeah, the third season now. It's pretty fucking good. awesome. I, enjoy, I did enjoy it. I didn't think I would. I enjoyed it. Just like with Magic of the Gathering. Yep. Yeah. I don't like to admit that out loud, but yeah, I did like that game, and I do. You love it. But, um, so, believe it or not, Stranger Things was actually inspired by a potentially real event. And that would be the Montawak Project. Yeah? Anybody ringing any bells? I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, I know that. That's the uh, that's the thing that inspired Stranger Things. Al uh, Balick? Alfred Balick? I don't know his real name, or, or if that is his real name. I'm not exactly sure. Doctor. Um, th- this could be... This honestly could be like a two- or three-part episode in and of itself. It's so dense and insane I'm just right now, give, before we go in, you sure you don't want to save it? Uh, I'll give you the overview. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go no, into a lot of depth. Just tell it. Who cares? I uh, we might come back to this because there's a lot. If I could, I mean, there's a shit ton of yeah, information. We'll just give it a wide berth if we decide. I don't have any of the books or anything. Um, there is a place 
called Camp Hero Park. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. Camp Hero mm-hmm. Park. It is a decommissioned military base located in Montauk, and it is believed to be the site of a government-sanctioned human experiment area that would essentially be compared to Nazi Germany. How about that? It's not good. Uh, it's 755 acres. It is a state park now with freshwater wetlands, bluffs, forests, uh, horse rides, bike trails, walking trails, benches, I assume. <laughs> Everything you need for a nice park. Um, and then... It used to be a military base, and a lot of that is still up there and roped off. And do not enter signs hang everywhere. Are there so, guards? No. Okay. So essentially, I'm just going to get into a little bit here. Um, it is believed that they were kidnapping children off the street, and this is backed up by reports of over 2,000 children disappearing from this area while this camp was operated. Uh, so the numbers Wait, 2, exist. 2,000? Yeah. What the fuck? This does exist. The <laughs> numbers. so many The children. numbers exist. It's not as much as Washington, D.C., though. That's a whole different That's a can whole of worms. Other topic. Washington's fucked. But um yeah, so the people were disappearing and this led to a lot of obviously, you know, crazy theories and speculations. But um there are actually people. There's a man named Preston B. Nichols and a man named Peter Moon. And they wrote a book about this in nineteen ninety two. And uh, it confirmed uh, a lot of the suspicions uh, that were, you know, circulating around this area. And what happened was in the 70s and 80s, Preston Nichols was the leader of a psychotronics movement. And he claimed that the government was using electromagnetic radiation to transmit ideas directly into people's heads. And then his followers, some of these followers still keep metal parts in their brain so that it blocks these waves from entering their brain. Oh, my God. And they claim that Nichols was able to control the weather through what would now be known as the Heart Machine or the Heart Project. Yeah. And uh, Nichols himself actually claims to have been teleported to Montauk in 1968 uh, using what they called the SAGE, which is a... Semi-automatic ground environment radar tower. And this radar tower is particularly interesting because it still exists. There's pictures of it today. And every 30 minutes, it rotates. And at the time, it was a scan to check for, you know, Soviet satellites or missiles or Mm -hmm. anything of that nature. And there lies the conspiracy. I'm just going to say this, okay? The meat and the potatoes of this. The more rational side of this theory says that the children were abducted from their homes or the street and taken to this underground bunker where they were running these tests with magnetic radiation, things of this psychotronics, trying to implant memories, implant ideas or thoughts. Then you get a step up where they're doing physical experiments, trying to create super soldiers, things of that nature, uh, testing drugs, steroids, things of that nature. And then you get into Stranger Things, which, believe it or not, one of the theories circulating is that there were portals to other dimensions in this underground base. 
and the children were used to send them in in hopes of pulling them back in to see what they can report from this other dimension. Yeah, why why kids? Well, you could pretty much... I don't They're know, easy they, to take? They don't say this, but realistically, I think it's easier to keep a kid quiet than an adult. So if they do see something crazy, or if they're, like, tortured or something, it's a lot easier to blackmail or torture a child into being quiet than it is, like, a grown man that has nothing to lose. Probably. Especially children. They don't know. You know what I mean? They don't know what's going on. Yeah. So... It's never been substantiated in any sense, but there are hundreds of books out there with actual people that claimed to be a part of these projects or work there, things of that nature. And it it gets very intense and deep, which I'd like to not go into in hopes of doing an Possibly actual... covering it later, you know, yeah. a, a full event on this episode. So, I have one question. Mm-hmm. So, this place, this camp, whatever it's called, Camp Hero, baby. Camp Hero. Uh, like the sandwich? Had all these different projects. Because I'm familiar with the time travel mm-hmm. uh, experiments that they've done. You know, the the conspiracy oh, theories yeah. and all that. Oh, That's yeah. what I, how I'm familiar with the Montauk project. Mm-hmm. So, no, this was a multifaceted base. Okay. I they were doing it, was, it I all. I thought it was just mm-hmm. time traveling. No, it was a little bit Lots of everything. Of stuff. Terrifying. Lots of stuff. And, uh... Yeah, it, it's hard. I tried to. I read about it for probably four hours over this past week. Yeah, and I could not scratch the surface of where everything was because there's fucking thousand page books about this shit. Jesus, it's it's intense. It's really cool stuff, but uh, it's interesting. You know, it's not really an urban legend. It's more of a conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. but it it'll keep you on your toes. You know, it's it's good. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. That's it. That's the man. Mop. Project. Montauk. That's the project. Bleh. Yeah. Bleh. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Vampire. Very nice. Uh, The next thing I got is called The Candy Lady. Oh, oh, I know what The Candy Lady of uh, the early 20th century in Terrell, Texas. I'm going to tell you guys my theory about this when it's over because I was telling Jake this theory, and I think it makes a lot of sense. It, it does, <laughs> actually. But all right, so, uh, yeah, so in the early 20th century in Terrell, Texas, uh, children began going missing, and people began blaming an unknown criminal who came to be known as the Candy Lady. So how she would operate, uh, children in the area, uh, they later came out with stories of candy left at their windowsills as they slept. And uh, that's fucked up in itself. Yeah, just like little piles of candy. But uh, so yeah, they didn't want it. They didn't want that to stop. Obviously, kids love candy. They want it to keep happening, so they didn't tell their parents. And uh, after Smart a while, move. yeah, after a while, if they just like kept it going, um, Mitch, Mitch, stop. That. Mitch is air eating candy. No more candy for you, Mitch. But all right, so uh, <laughs> so after a while, um, the candy like kept coming, and they would eventually be paired with notes saying "Come out and play," signed to the candy lady. Not and weird at all. Not weird. No, it's just the middle of the night with candy, and and uh, yeah. So over about a decade, uh, this was happening. Children continued to go missing, and as uh, the ones who didn't go missing got older, that this happened to, uh, they started telling stories of you know. Receiving the candy and all that and the notes. 
And they didn't go out to play with her. So that was good. But one day, uh, so this person was never caught, right? They never really knew anything about her, what they did to the kids or anything. But uh, one day, uh, in the area, a local farmer found a child's rotting teeth wrapped in a candy wrapper on his, like, property. Nice. So that's weird, right? It is. It's kind of poetic, but... It's it's nice, you it's know? It's good. Symbolism? Symbolism? <laughs> pretty, pretty on-the-nose symbolism. But, uh, so this discover... This discovery, paired with the statements of the survivors, uh, caused a police deputy to investigate the children's disappearances throughout the past decade from then. And uh, only a few weeks into his investigation, his body was found in a ditch, his eyes had been stabbed out by forks, and his pockets were stuffed with candy. Wow. Isn't that just the candy lady? That is weird. That's it. They never found out who that was. I don't think anyone in the police... uh, yeah, right? My, okay, here's my theory. This yeah, is what I said. She's in Texas. I think the candy lady was actually a dude. Yes. Because like I said, if you call yourself the candy lady, they're not looking for a dude. And no. you could get away with it for a lot longer. Exactly. That's my piece. Exactly. Beef. Not or even forever, a, like what happened right now. It's the not first even thing, a great theory, but it's, it's just not, like real. It's just you like, know? Yeah, I'm, I'm a woman. It's raw human emotion. Yeah. Maybe it was the tooth fairy. And maybe they maybe killed her. Maybe it was her. the Tooth Fairy. Oh my God! <laughs> maybe they killed her. Freddy Krueger. It's not about the candy. It's not about the candy. They Freddy Krueger her, and that's why she's dead now. Hmm. Maybe. I'll tell Grant. The first thing that came up when I typed in the candy lady is just a store a called store the Candy, the candy lady. lady. Yeah, and I don't. I don't. Maybe that would be the perfect cover. Honestly. Hiding in plain sight. That would be good. Hiding in plain sight. I think he was in Texas, too. Yeah. Anyway, that's the candy lady. You guys ready for another unsolved murder? Yes. The Velisca X murders. They uh, took place in Velisca, Iowa on June 10th, 1912. Okay. Okay. Josiah Moore, age 34, or 43, sorry, sorry, I read that backwards. He had a wife named Sarah, and they had four children. Herman, Mary, Arthur, and Paul. And um, they were a very rich family, and uh, they were well-known and well-liked in their community. And uh, on June 10th, 1912, Mary Catherine Moore, the daughter, who was uh, 10 years old at the time. uh, Actually, that's a good point. Herman was 11, Mary was 10, Arthur was 7, and Paul was 5. Little kids, you know. Um, So Mary invited Ina over and Lena, her two friends, who were 8 and 12. Uh, The parents said, uh, yeah, they're cool with it, whatever, that's fine. Um, That evening, the girls and the family went to the Presbyterian Church where they participated in the Children's Day program, which Sarah had coordinated. How sweet. Uh, After the program ended at 9.30, they all walked back to the house, got there around 9.45 or 10, okay? Mm. Yeah. yeah. At 7 a.m. the next day, Mary Peckham, the neighbor, uh, became concerned after, after she noticed that the Moore family had not come out to do their morning chores. Uh, she knocked on the door, and when nobody answered, she tried to open it, and uh, it was locked, so she couldn't do it. 
she let the Moors chickens out and called Ross Moor, who was Josiah's brother. Uh, when he showed up, he knocked on the door, tried to get in, couldn't do anything, shouted, no one heard anything. Uh, lucky enough, he had a copy of the house key, and uh, while Peckham stood on the porch, Moore went into the house, and he opened up the guest bedroom, where he found Ina and Lena uh, dead on the bed. Uh, he freaked out. He told Peckham to go call uh, Hank Horton, who was the peace officer at the time. And uh, he pretty much showed right the fuck up, because it was like, well, what the fuck's going on? Um, when he got there, Horton searched the entire house and found that the entire Moore family and the two girls from down the street had all been bludgeoned to death. Uh, the murder weapon was actually an axe that belonged to Josiah in his shed, and it was found in the guest room where the two visiting sisters were found dead. Um, pretty much what they found out was that uh, the murders took place somewhere between midnight and 5 a.m. due to body decomposition. Perfect time. Uh, there were two uh, cigarette filters in the attic. Well, I guess not filters, cigarette. Just the ends of a cigarette. Butts. butts. Yeah, butts. They, they butts. didn't really have filters back then, I don't think. Butts. Butts. Um, this suggested that uh, the killer or killers were waiting in the attic until uh, the family got home and were in bed sleeping. Uh, the killer began in the master bedroom where Josiah and Sarah were sleeping. Uh, Josiah received more blows from the axe than any other victim, upwards of ten times. Jesus. And he had it directly to the face, and he had been cut to such an extent that his eyes were missing and never found. Was he sitting on a couch? He was laying in bed. He was laying in bed? All right. Um, he got the sharp end of the axe. And then cool. everybody else got the backside of the axe. Really? They were all, everyone else was bludgeoned except him, who was actually chopped. Um, You've been chopped. <laughs> they found out that every victim was asleep when it happened except for Lena. Uh, they thought that she was awake and tried to find fight back as uh, they found a bunch of broken crosswire on the bed and defensive wounds all down her right arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this girl's nightgown was pushed up to her waist, and she was wearing no undergarments, leading them to believe that he sexually assaulted her or attempted to do so mm-hmm. before the death. Mm-hmm. Um, boom. So they bring in all this shit, right? Here's the list of victims we got. We got Reverend George Kelly, Frank Jones, William Mansfield, Loving Mitchell... And Henry Lee Moore, who was not related to the Moore family. Just the same name. Are we just going to skip past the Loving Mitchell? Loving Mitchell! Uh, wait, did you say these were victims? No, these <laughs> were the... This was who they thought did it. Oh, okay, you said victims. Okay, I'm oh, did I? My yeah, bad. Dude. The suspects. So these are My suspects. Bad. But, um... So essentially what we're working with here is that everybody was turning on everybody. They were all saying that this guy had reason to do it. Uh, we think he was jealous. You know, this guy, he has a history of cocaine abuse, and maybe he was a serial killer, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, they actually did multiple trials. Um, George Kelly, the reverend, was tried twice for the murder. The first time was a hung jury, and the second trial ended in an acquittal. And what they believe happened nowadays, Harold Schechter, actually uh, the author, 
the guy who does all like the true crime books. Yeah. He talks about this story and pretty much what he says is that he believes it was all committed by one serial killer. And they think that it was Paul Mueller or Miller. Uh, he was an immigrant from Germany who was the, the subject of an unsuccessful year-long manhunt as the sole suspect in the 1897 of a murder of a family in West Brookfield, Massachusetts, where he worked as a farmhand. And they all died the same way that this family did. Yeah, it's probably that guy. And they never caught anybody. The crime is technically unsolved. Um, they also believe that this uh, Paul Mueller or Miller, the, the spelling is kind of twisted yeah. around a lot. You just write your name as whatever. Yeah. Like they believe uh, nowadays uh, the people who wrote this book called The Man from the Train by Bill James and his daughter Rachel McCarthy who work uh, with Harold Schechter or at least share notes and whatnot. They believe that this man is responsible for murdering at least 59 people in 14 separate incidents all across the country, starting from 1897 all the way up until 1930. Jesus. That's like 40 years? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And you want to know why they believe that? Yes. Because the they identify common features in multiple crimes that all follow the same scene as the Velisca house. Uh, whoever this killer was selected family that lived near the railroad tracks uh, seemingly struck an ambush at about midnight while the victims were all asleep, used the blunt side of an axe rather than the blade to strike the victims in the head and the face, always used an axe that was found in the victim's home and left in plain sight for people to find. The killer covered the victims with blankets to prevent blood splatter, covered windows from inside the house, and locked the doors before departure. This was common in every case, including the Velisca X murders. Well, Jesus Christ. And a note, uh, this house is supposedly haunted. No, it definitely is. I would imagine. And the reason this becomes an urban legend is because nowadays, you can actually go to this house in Iowa. They have uh, tours. You could rent a room for the night. You could stay there. And in 2014, a ghost hunter who I do not believe is famous because I could not find a name, stayed there with a team of ghost hunters and ended up stabbing himself in the stomach in the middle of the night. Gee, I didn't know that. I knew the Ghost Adventures guys went on there because I remember seeing the episode. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought the father was like sitting on a couch or something, but uh, I'm, I'm wrong. At least in the the case that was presented to the jury, he was. they were all in bed. Are we, po- are we positive this ghost hunter wasn't Elliot Smith? You never know. It could be whoever you want it to be, baby. Might have been the same There it was. The Axe Murders. Axe Murders. Very nice. If you can believe it, I got an even weirder unsolved case coming up after yeah, this one. I just got one more. So. <laughs> I hope this is the best one. I have high hopes for this one. <laughs> I just told you like one <laughs> sentence about it. All right. You're talking at us and not at the microphones, just so Forgive. everyone's aware. Forgive me. Georgie's retarded, sorry. It doesn't help. It does not help. All right, all right. So Overton Bridge, right? (laughs) Georgie, get out of here. Uh, Smelling the book. So Overton Bridge uh, in 
Dumbar, Dumberton, Dumberton, Scotland. I'm from Dumberton. Dumberton. So, yeah. <laughs> that shit's awesome. All right, so it's known for Dumbertown. something. Uh, it's known for something quite unusual. Right? Oh no, it's fucking hilarious. That's what it's known for. <laughs> it's known for, for uh, doggy suicide. <laughs> That's what this bridge is known for. That's just like the craziest thing you could it's ever like the hear. The dogs are running around with handguns and just blowing their heads off. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> They're tying their own nooses. And They're shooting up heroin in the streets. <laughs> These are super intelligent dogs. These dogs are crazy. <laughs> dog so, suicide. According to the New York Times. Uh, up to 300 dogs have jumped from this bridge. That's fucking And local papers shit. say it's up to about 600. That's so crazy. Isn't that just insane? That's so ridiculous. The I official, can't believe that. Yeah, the official number of dog deaths from this uh, comes to about... Uh, it's over 50. That's what it said. And uh, so it's known as Dog Suicide Bridge. Fittingly, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, owners say... That well, then they walk over this bridge, which is very nice. It's a beautiful area, and it's a uh, you know people just walk there all the time. Uh, as they're approaching the bridge, they believe their dogs to get overtaken in a way, so they just like start going crazy, and they uh, are aggressively compelled to run and jump from the fifty foot bridge onto the rocks <laughs> down below. I can't take this seriously. <laughs> I like, can't do it. I'm trying so hard. I can't do it. It's terrible, dude. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like we should have we should have made a warning for all uh, the dog lovers it's, out there. It's I like, love dogs, but this no, is ridiculous. I, I love dogs too. This it's not like funny, but just the idea if you saw this happen Part of you, I don't care who you You'd are be like that was fucking crazy. Part of you would look at it again. later in life and be like I can't believe that dog killed itself right in front of me. I'm just that's what what happened. I'm sorry. Yeah. It reminds me of all the hogs in the Bible story. Yeah, from last yeah, week. From last week. It's like they all just It's like they that's died. just ridiculous. Yeah. When animals commit suicide, it's nuts because like why? I don't know. <laughs> Are they know. laying that's on their like taxes? The last, Is their like, house that goes getting against taken every away? single instinct that animals should have. But anyway, uh, there are a lot of theories in the town of uh, what causes this phenomenon. Apparently, a local taxi driver claims to always see ghosts and ghouls on this bridge. Supposedly. Oh, yeah. Others uh, claim to believe that the local paranormal legend, the White Lady of Overton, which is a ghost of the previous estate owner, John White, uh, his widow, is the reason for the doggy suicide. Damn. What did she do? She was she, just, she was sad that her husband died and now she makes she puts dogs. That sadness and the all. dogs or something. Yeah, I guess she just overtakes them and hates dogs. Dude, that's intense shit. I will admit it, Okay, okay. Okay, just paint this picture in your head. Okay. I, I, this is what I'm envisioning. I know this isn't the case like it happened over the course of like years. But I'm just picturing a pack of 300 dogs all committing suicide at once. How would that not be the most insane thing anyone's ever seen in their life? It it would be. You'd never it, recover. I don't think you could recover be. from that. One dog, two dogs, whatever. 300 dogs. That's a lot of dogs. under the bridge at that time. You're like a fisherman. You just, you just <laughs> get, what the fuck? You just get nailed by a dog. <laughs> 
from 50 feet Dude, up. it's a new meaning of raining cats and dogs. Oh, oh, oh yes. Maybe it's Shit. the cats that are doing this. We'll just, we'll just go throw some cats Dude, out there. do you guys remember that movie, Cats Cats versus Dogs? Yeah. Were there, yeah, the cats are like spies and dogs are like opposing spies? I don't <laughs> like, really know. But I, oh. Maybe. This is maybe. Nuts. We're cracking this case wide Scotland's open. their headquarters, maybe. I don't know. This is it's blowing the doors wide open for me. Yeah, that's the Overton Bridge, uh, or otherwise known as Dog Suicide. And bridge. this is in Scotland. Scotland. I would love to go there. I would just 100% for this love bridge, to go there. killing themselves to this day. Yeah, okay. they're all like very the dogs. It, it, it just keeps happening. Like a, do you think there's like a wind tunnel or something that's like because they got like sensitive ears? Maybe yeah. like they're there's some going, high there's some high frequency that's making them go crazy. Yeah, something's going on over that bridge, so they just go nuts and just jump. There were some like scientific things that people have guessed it being and like the stupidest one i could find was pretty much like they can't see over the edge so they think it's just still land and they just wow. all decide to jump and i'm thinking of bridges bridges aren't just roads i'm sure there's got to have some kind of guard on each side so they must be jumping yeah exactly a big jump that's what that's the whole thing it's like i oh, think i figured it out over there these dogs are becoming sentient okay and they've realized that they can't look up and they get really sad, so they kill hey, themselves. Dogs can look up. Can they? No, I was quoting a movie. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead? You sons of Way bitches. to pick the dumbest line in that movie. It was a great line. <laughs> it was not a great line. I'll give you that. I, I'll give you that. I'm a little upset with myself. I didn't get it. I'll, I'll tell you that. I recognize it, but I didn't realize it. He pulls the arrow out of his head, and he says, but dogs can look up. It's a dart. Yeah, it's a dart, dude. No, well, have you never seen the uh, movie? God, an arrow. An arrow. All right, are anyway, you guys ready for? Uh, this is the last and final little spook. Uh, is is thing. Th- this one might be more lighthearted, but it also I, might not. I, be. I think I know the overview of this it's one. Not not, not really. <laughs> it might be lighthearted. This one's called the. <laughs> this one is called the Watcher. Okay. Keeping Tom's story in. Oh, it's something. <laughs> he's blind. One night. Oh. I'm gonna, this is very long. I just want you guys to know. I, not, I, don't want, I don't want to cut any of this out because it just gets fucking insane. Yeah. One night, June 2014, Derek brought us. Uh, he was painting in his brand new home in Westfield, New Jersey. And uh, he went outside to check his mail, right? So Derek and his wife, Maria, they just bought this beautiful six-bedroom house at 657 Boulevard three days earlier. And they were planning some renovations before they moved in. He was just there checking it out. Um, he goes out to the mailbox, and uh, he's looking you know, through. He's uh, probably going to get some bills and whatnot. And he sees a white card-shaped envelope. Uh, the address is written in a thick handwriting. On It's only addressed to... The new owners. Um, just for a little background, they just bought this house that was one point three million dollars. Derek just turned forty. He got in a job promotion. They were excited. They were going to move the family out here, start a new life in this fucking mansion. And uh, so he opens this letter, right? The one that's addressed to the new owners. Yeah. And this is what it says: "Dearest new neighbor at six fifty seven Boulevard." Allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its forces within? 
657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades. And his and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching it and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 20s and my father in the 60s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 of Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Interesting. <laughs> That's way more creepy than I I thought it was, actually. Yeah. So the letter goes on to identify the Honda minivan that they own, and it also mentions that renovations have begun. I see that you have already flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk 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 bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Oh. It's just um, some like meth head who's been using it as a crack den. Yeah. Who just doesn't want him to be moved in. So this is weird. Uh Derek and Maria, they were at the house and they were talking to the new neighbors. Uh, they purposely didn't bring up this letter because they were like, this is a little strange. Yeah. And especially because um, it goes on. And they have three kids who are 5, 8, and 10 years old. And they don't they don't give out the names now. Just, you know, why, why would they? Uh, also in the letter, it says, you have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. More on the way, perhaps? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood that I have requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Oh my god. Uh, the envelope had no return address on it. Who am I? This letter said. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard every day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from your house. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the happy people who are strolling by each day. Maybe I am one. The letter concluded with a suggestion that this message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends, welcome. Let the party begin, followed by a signature typed in cursive font, The Watcher. That was the first letter. <laughs> That was the first one. That was, all that was the first letter? Yep, that was the first letter. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheese and rice. A couple days later, it was 10 p.m., and Derek was in the house by himself. He ran around the house, turning off every light so that no one could see inside, and then he called the police department. The officer came to the house, read the letter, and in the actual police report, the first thing the cop said was, what the fuck is this? He asked Derek if he had any enemies and recommended moving a piece of construction equipment from the back porch just in case whoever this was tried to toss it through a window. Derek went back to his wife and kids who were living at their old home in Westfield. That night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods, the couple who sold them the house, to ask if they had any idea who this watcher might be or why he or she had written. Uh, because in the letter it says that I asked the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. So Derek and Maria thought that maybe they would know, or maybe this was some weird shit going on. Yeah. Uh, Andrea replied the next morning. Uh, she said that a few days before they moved out, they received a weird letter from this watcher as well. 
The note had been odd and similar, uh, similarly mentioned uh, them observing the house. But Andrea said that uh, they'd lived there for 23 years and never gotten anything like this before. So they just kind of thought it was a joke or something. Um, they went to, so they just tossed it out. The Woodses went with Maria to the police station where Detective Leonard Lugo told her not to tell anybody about the letters. He said, don't tell your neighbors, anyone you've met, or who you will meet. They're all suspects. Keep this shit down. Like, Mm -hmm. don't tell anybody. So this family, uh, they were on high alert for the next couple weeks. Uh, Derek canceled the work trip, and uh, whenever Maria took the kids to the new house, she would yell their names the minute they wandered out of eyesight in the yard. When Derek gave a tour of the renovation to a couple on the block, he froze when the wife looked at him and said, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood, which is strange. That's straight from the letter. Uh, so the family's general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign he'd hammered into the front yard had been ripped out and thrown in the backyard overnight. Two weeks after the letter arrived, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She recognized the thick black lettering on another envelope and called the police before opening. When the police arrived, they opened the letter together and read it. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. What? Jesus. (laughs) This time, the watcher had addressed Derek and Maria directly misspelling their last names, forgetting the O in Bratis or Bratis. Um, so this begged the question, was whoever this man or woman was, were they close enough to hear that one of the contractors was talking to them and heard the name? What was going on? Uh, so in this letter, he boasted that he had learned a lot about the family in the preceding weeks, especially about their children. Um, the letter identified the children by birth order and their nicknames, the ones Maria had been yelling in the yard. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young bloods that you have brought to me, it said. You certainly say their names often. The letter asks about one child in particular, whom the writer had seen had seen using an e- easel inside an enclosed porch. Is she the artist in the family? The letter keeps going. It's not over. Jesus Christ. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who was in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Browdus family. 
Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching you. That's not the last letter. That's insane. Not the last letter. Um, they stopped bringing the kids to the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They stopped doing it. Uh, they got a third letter weeks later. At least the parents aren't being fucking stupid about this. <laughs> the third letter, it simply said, Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. That's all it said? Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so... They started going around the town, right? They were freaking out. Uh, just for a demographic range, this town is 86% white. Uh, it was ranked the 99th richest city in America and in the top fifty or top 30 safest towns to live in in the country. Really? This was in 2014. Um, so it was, you know, pretty Mayberry-style area, I guess you could say. Okay. Um... Pretty much a lot of people said that it was like a big ego area. People would move in, you know, to be rich. And 657 was the grandest home on the block because it was built in 1905. And it had been remodeled enough to maintain, like, a nice outlook. But it still had that historical significance, you know. Cool, cool. Um, So, th- initially the cops thought that maybe... This was, uh, the watcher was somebody that bid on the house and didn't get it, or was outbid, or something like that. Uh, someone jealous that they didn't get this house. Um, and then Andrea Woods also proposed a theory. Um, she said that wouldn't the mention of the contracting trucks and your children's names suggest that it was someone in the neighborhood? Which is a valid point yeah. that they know, you know, what's going on there every minute of every day. It's probably someone that lives there. Um, the letter did not uh, indicate proximity. There was no address or anything. Uh, they had been processed in Kearney, the U.S. Postal Services Distribution Center in New Jersey. Um, and what makes it even creepier is that the first letter was postmarked on June 4th before the sale went public. So somebody knew that the house was for sale before it was sold. Um, the Woodses had actually never put up a sa- uh, for sale sign. And uh, the only time that they had a sold sign was the day after the contractors arrived when this family was already there. Mm-hmm. So there was no indication that it was anything like that. Um, when uh, they were showing Detective Lugo around the house, the second letter that mentioned the girl painting on that easel, yeah, they showed him that uh, the easel was on the porch, and they had purposely hidden it behind vegetation and brush off of the porch. So somebody would have to either be in the backyard or next door to the house to see that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so they go to a barbecue, right, with the neighbors. They're yeah. doing this is like a movie now. Like they know something yeah. fucked up's going on, and they're trying to get to the bottom of it. This is like one of the final scenes. And um, so the cops were like, you know, it essentially it sounds like the cops told them it'd be a good idea to go to this barbecue. They're like, bring the family and go and like see, yeah, like feel see what happens, crowd, you know, see, see, what, what's see going what goes on. on. So um, the kids were there also. Uh, uh, Maria says, 
now, or at least in this interview, she said that uh, they were screaming at the kids very often to stay within, like, eyesight of the family. Yeah. And she was like, a lot of people were giving us weird looks because I don't think they understood why. Uh, yeah. So Derek, he was talking to this guy named John Schmidt. Schmidt. Okay. Schmidt. Schmidt. Uh, he lived two doors down. And John told them all about the Langfords, who lived in between them. So Derek and Maria's next-door neighbor. Peggy Lanford was in her 90s, and several of her adult children, who were all in their 60s, lived in the house with her. The family was a bit odd, yeah, and the younger, the younger Langford, Michael, was described uh, as looking like Ernest Hemingway with a sort of Boo Radley-type personality. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek thought that the case was solved. The Langford house was right next to the easel on the porch. The family had lived there since the 60s when the watcher's father took over and uh, you know, said he had began observing the house. And uh, the family patriarch, Richard, had died 12 years ago, and the letter also said that the better part of two decades was how long the watcher had been in charge of the house. Mm. Everything seemed to add up. When they told uh, Lugo about this family, he said that he already knew. After the a week after the first letter arrived, he brought Michael Langford into police headquarters for an interview. Michael denied knowing anything about the letter, but they say that Lugo told them that the narrative of what he said matched up with things in the letter. This isn't CSI Westfield, Lugo later told them. When the wife is dead, it's the husband. So I don't know what's going on here. Um, they, had, they had no evidence, and pretty much what happened was that the cops said, we're not getting any admission, and we have no leads, so we can't do anything. There's nothing to be done about this. I don't know what you want from us. Uh, then Derek... Pretty much got very nervous and upset, and um, he started launching his own investigation, putting up webcams, crouching in the brush behind his house, looking out, and uh, I, him and his wife began to have te- uh, a lot of tension, as you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it was just fucked up shit. Um, the Langfords, as I said, they were the only family in the area there from the 60s, and it was funny because one of the contractors noted that in their yard they set up lawn chairs that were facing the backyard of Derek's house. And when the when he asked the contractor about it, he said, they're not facing your house, they're facing you guys. And he was like, what do you mean? He's like, the chairs move all the time throughout the day. They're always like at your house. Interesting. So they're just kind of freaking out. They don't know what to do. They have nothing to say. Um, there, it's just not a good situation for anyone to be in. Um, the, they got another letter. And this one was to Derek. Salutations included on this fine day's weather. Warm and humid. (laughs) Sunny and cool for a summer day. It got so, like, cordial all of a sudden. The house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are changing its fucking history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its fucking halls. 
The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. They that had, was the whole thing? They had no idea what to do. Jesus they had Christ. no idea what to do. They were like, this is fucking ridiculous. They went through like 12 different emotions throughout that. Mm-hmm. And then, so essentially what happens here, they're, they're trying to sell the house. Uh, no one wants to buy it. And funny enough, Derek and Maria, they're very honest people. And they're disclosing this information to people that want to buy the house. Why would anyone want to buy the house if they're just telling people? And no one will buy it. Even the realtors are like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Stop doing this. We're trying to sell this fucking house. Uh, They actually bring a lawsuit onto the Woodses, the people that sold them the house, for not disclosing any of this information. And it's just not good. Uh, So they can't sell it. They're having a lot of trouble. So what they do... They're kind of panicking. Uh, Derek is looking for German shepherds. He's trying to buy German shepherds to guard the house. <laughs> that sounds good. He's putting up fences. And he actually put job postings on a website for military veterans. And he was paying military vets, quote, all you have to do is work out in the backyard every day. <laughs> he was paying people to work out in his That's backyard. Amazing. Uh, then they realized that you know, they had kids in a family, and they didn't want to feel like they were living in, like, a bunker, you know? Yeah. So, essentially what Maria says was that uh, at the end of the day, it came down to what are we willing to risk? And uh, they decided that they were not going to put the kids in any harm, and they were trying as hard as they could to sell it. Um, they got another letter. <laughs> they got another letter. Um, this time it seemed a little crazy. This time, (laughs) this time seems a little crazy. Six fifty-seven Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of Six fifty-seven Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and leave it alone. You're, you're right. That was a bit more crazy than all the it's other ones. It's straight up unhinged, dude. This guy's freaking out. Um, it's fucked up, man. Uh, so they they finally rent the house. They rent it. People want it. They're like, yeah, fine, we'll take it. All right. They get rid of it. They eventually sell it. It's gone. Oh, all this shit happens, right? And then they keep getting the notes. Um. Another family on Boulevard Street got a similar note from the same person. Uh, The parents of that family had lived in the home for years, and their kids were grown up, so they threw the letter away just as the Woodses had. 
But after the news broke, one of the children posted about it on Facebook and then deleted the post. When investigators spoke to the family, they confirmed that the letters had been similar to those sent to Derek and Maria. But its existence only made the case more confusing. There was not a whole lot to go on, the head of the police said. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It doesn't end here either. Uh, there's other people involved that live there, and now they're starting to freak out, and they're getting letters. Um, and that was the end of it. That, that really was the end of it. Um, Jesus. A lot of people actually say that uh, this was like a ploy. They don't know why, but a lot of people think it was a ploy. Of like who to do what? The like the Derek and Maria like to get attention or something. Oh, I don't that, know. That's weird. A lot of people that are close to them say that it isn't a ploy. That they're they're like they didn't gain anything out of this. You yeah. know. Um. So two and a half years later, they get another letter at their new house. They get another letter. No, well, he was renting the house. So Derek went to the house okay. to, oh, like, right. help with something. Yeah. And um, there was, like, a shit ton of squirrels on the roof, I guess. That's what he says. And um, <laughs> okay. the, whoever was renting the house handed him a, uh, an envelope. And all this one was only two lines. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is two and a half years after the case. And then uh, they threatened him. They threatened him in this letter. There's like an appendix to this letter. Yeah. <laughs> the renter freaked out. Okay, he didn't know what to do. Um, 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gate. My soldiers of the Boulevard follow my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 with my orders. All hail the Walter, the Watcher. Sorry, not the Walter. So were his like were his legions the uh, the squirrels? Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> and he prom- no, he promised revenge. Okay. Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet dog suicide. Loved ones suddenly <laughs> die. Bridge. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. <laughs> and Maria, Maria was done. She was like, "This is no, this isn't okay. This is <laughs> fucked up. This is terrible." Uh, yeah. So the, uh, Derek actually a couple years later. This is in 2018. Uh, was picking up Maria at the train station. And they bro- drove by the old house. And uh, they talked about just how weird it is and how they don't ever want to think about it again and just how it was fucking terrifying for them. And it was the worst experience that they've ever had in their life. And just, uh, you know, a little fun fact. Uh, they never caught the watcher. No one knows who he is. And he could still very well be out there alive tormenting people. We definitely saved the creepiest for the last. That was uh Sounds like a senile old man just being an old man. They think that perhaps it is 
part of the whole ploy thing, I guess Keanu Reeves played a serial killer in a movie where he was hunting down the detective that was looking for him in a fashion similar to this, like sending notes and threats. So people think that it was like a big ploy or something. But the reality is that uh, these letters exist. So somebody <laughs> sent them, whether it was a joke or not. Dude, I have something kind of relating to this. A buddy of mine downtown, he once saw, like, on a bus, he was, like, overlooking this guy's shoulder, and he saw him playing words with friends, but he had some sort of thing on his phone to where he could, like, cheat I at words it. with friends. And so... <laughs> So my buddy like keeps watching him until he goes to his own profile and sees his name. And then he goes on his Facebook, finds his profile, gets the guy's address, and writes him an anonymous note saying, I know you're cheating at words with friends. And he sent it to him. And, That's terrifying. <laughs> and like two weeks afterward, he like went back onto his page and saw that he made a post and he like thought it was a joke. He's like, "Ha ha, guys! Which one of you is this?" But it was just my buddy who has never met him in his entire life. That's like absolutely terrifying. Isn't it amazing? Maybe he's the. He watcher. said he wore gloves when he wrote it too, just in case. <laughs> like they're gonna hunt him down. Yeah, or something? just in case. Dude, it could be done. The yeah. watcher is real, dude. It's fucked up. The watcher is real. What do you guys think of that story? That was crazy. Yeah, that, that was good. I just and it was so recent. It was so recent, too. You'll never know who it was. That's the point of the watcher. I'd love to know, though. You can't. I won't let you. <laughs> you won't let me? None of you. You said it could have possibly been, like, the old people across the street that pointed their chairs towards their house? Yeah, well, their uh, neighbors, next, next yeah. door neighbors, yeah. It's got to be them. I don't know who else would it be. The Ernest Hemingway, Boo Radley guy? He's probably just some old man. He's like, I hate this... The young bloods in my I hate this town. It's so washed up. Get out of 657. <laughs> Dude, I like the message where he goes like insane. And he's like, <laughs> it's a beautiful day. Get the hell out of my neighborhood. <laughs> my fucking house that I fucking ran through. It's so, it's so nice and warm outside. Why are you in my fucking house? <laughs> I thought it was creepy in the beginning. Greetings like, and salutations. He's like, uh, what did he say? Something about something inside the walls. I'm like, what? Yeah, they looked in what? the walls. I actually didn't mention that. They had the contractor look in the walls. And according to the contractor, the only thing in the walls was mold. There was nothing. Oh. They, there was nothing. So, like, they think it was just, like, a scare tactic or something? Yeah, no, this guy was fucking with him. Yeah, it was It was strange. What's the deal with, like, bring me young blood? I want young blood. What does that mean? Jesus Christ. Maybe he wanted the kids back or something. I don't he's, know. He's like the queen of England. Maybe he's actually, like, a... What, he's drinking <laughs> blood to stay alive? Yeah. Maybe it's actually just a terribly sad story. Just, like, an old man who lost his kids or something. Isn't that? I love that. When I read that today, dude, I was like, "This is going in the episode. <laughs> no, this has yeah, to." You texted me like early today. You're just like, "Jake, I found the most perfect story for this podcast." It was, it's amazing. No, it's great. Because I, I was reading a little bit about it, like a little blurb, and I was like, "This is interesting." So I like looked it up, and dude, I found this like a couple articles, and they got so in depth. I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I was sitting here for like two hours, just like, "Holy shit! This is nuts." I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I still don't know what to say. You don't need to say anything else. You told the story. So be careful, I guess, if you're... Just don't open your mail. Yeah, that's a good don't idea. Don't open it. 
Get the George Foreman mail sorter from The Simpsons. And all the junk mail, it makes it into a patty of meat, and you can just eat it. You don't remember that? I don't remember that. When Homer <laughs> has the fucking George Foreman mail sorter. Oh, my God. I haven't watched that show in so long. Me Purple either. Monkey Dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we need to watch The Treehouse as a horror at yeah. some point. Yeah, they're doing a Stranger Things uh, thing. Yeah, is it, it's like the 30th one, or the 30th Treehouse of Horror, and it's their 666th episode yep 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 perfect stranger things baby i like the one where uh fucking mo is like the demon yeah (laughs) and he's like how can we get out of this pact and uh homer's like i'll I'll do anything he's like all right three-way and he's like you me and marge and mo just looks at him he's like demon demon you (laughs) 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 and then the day they throw the fucking blanket over the camera, and he's like, Homer's like, there's something I've always wanted to try. And the demons are just like, ha, wait, wait, no, no, what are you doing? No, no. <laughs> and then the episode just ends. <laughs> uh, no, the trios of horror are always, always delightful. Homer Simpson is like my idol. He's just like amazing. Mo's my favorite. What's he saying when he's teaching that class? It's like, say if some your, gangsters dissing, dissing your fly girl, girl you give him one of these. these. He just starts dancing. He pulls out a gun. <laughs> Do I like when he, he's got like all the... Me and David were talking about that. He's got all like the illegal shit. He's got like the pandas He always shit. has like some weird exotic animal. He's like, all right, get these fucking pandas out of here. On the way, on the <laughs> way. They have the big whale. He's just like, get him back to SeaWorld. He's <laughs> like, where are you getting this? I hold in my hand a droopy wiener. <laughs> Amanda or my this. personal favorite quote is when Marge I have to say this all the time when he takes him on vacation and he's holding that noose and he's like can noosey come with me and she's like yeah sure he's like four guys a chick and a noose just like the movies I watch <laughs> like, holy shit Simpsons did you just do a snuff film joke yeah it's fucking That's dark insane. it's awesome I love the Simpsons yeah. I don't like Lisa very much Eh, whatever. She's such a buzzkill. She's got her moments, but for the most part... Dude, I saw, like, a part of an episode the other day that I'd never seen before. She just, like, steals Marge's wine really quick and chugs yeah. it and just gets drunk. I was like, what the fuck? Remember when they're drunk in Italy? I like that one, too. They're oh, yeah. like, eh? <laughs> 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 just, like, go to bed, Lisa. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's talking to Sideshow Bob. She's like, he's a murdering convict where we come from. <laughs> like, it's like a joke. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer did. Yeah, Kelsey Frazier. Grammer. D- I love Frazier, dude. I'm watching that <laughs> show. Frazier is every amazing. episode. Frazier is amazing. He's worth uh, mentioning every episode. Dude, if you want... The funniest part about Frazier is just his facial expressions. It <laughs> makes the whole show. It's, like, perfect. Like yeah, just the shit they say. Is the, so I think funny. the first episode of that I saw was the one at the end where like there was all that like just confusion about who wanted to screw who. Yeah, at the cabin. And he was like, "You mean that all of this palpable love ricocheting from the walls? None of it was for me." <laughs> yeah. And it just ends. <laughs> it's like, oh, Frazier. Yeah, the the gay ski instructor's name is Gee. Yeah, he's like, I'm not gay, Gee. <laughs> It's like, what the fuck does this mean? Uh, that show's gold. 
I love that show very much. It's a fantastic show. I still love uh, Mr. Burns' son as Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. That was one of my uh, favorites. I can't get no love around <laughs> here. He's selling like trinkets at a train station. I just like that he played Rodney Dangerfield. I feel like every Rodney Dangerfield movie is just him playing him. No, it is. Even it in totally the fucking is. Simpsons cartoon, he's just playing himself. It's very true. It's very true. He's a hilarious man. One of my favorite Mr. Burns quotes is when they're doing the fucking 4th of July parade or picnic thing. And he's like, Mr. Burns, here's your spare ribs. He's like, spare ribs? I know a thing or two. Spare reeks of second best. I want a full slab of strike ribs. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you, call my doctor and ask him why I would ask for something so insane as strike ribs. <laughs> That's my hero. It's not a quote, but my favorite Mr. Burns moment is where he's like being booked at the station. They take his photograph, <laughs> yeah. and the Flash like smacks him against the wall. <laughs> or the one where they're like, "One envelope marked bribe, empty. <laughs> one social security card." He's like, "That's not a social security card. That's my SS card." <laughs> it's just like, "Holy shit!" Like, yeah, he's playing the Wii, and they're like, "Oh, you're really good at killing Germans, Mr. Burns." He's like. Killing Germans? That's not how I remember it. <laughs> uh. Poison potato, poison potato, skiing accident, poison potato. <laughs> that's how his family died. Yeah. Uh. All right. But no, those it. were those were some scary stories that's and me. Simpsons and Fraser references. I'm done. Grant's out of here. Yeah. Follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Give us some Patreon money. Did no, you, Grant, you didn't do it good enough. Jake, you do it. All right, Just follow sorry. us on all the shit. There you go. T- you're taking my job? You usurping me right now? You serpent. You Fuck. serpent usurping you, me? The Hall of the Serpent King. I bet that who's, that's who was sending the letters. In was the, the Serpent King. of the Crimson. Uh, <laughs> serpent King. Yeah. Crypt of the Serpent yeah. King. Five-star video game. Uh. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Do you guys remember that old MTV commercial? I want He's like, I just want to stick my balls in it. Does anyone remember that? No. No. Maybe it was some porn I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You that MTV commercial where they all got naked and fucked? <laughs> Did you remember MTV Cribs, but it was the gorillas? It was just a cartoon? cartoon of their trailer. It was like inside of a parking garage. Do you remember when that show got canceled because celebrities were renting houses that weren't theirs <laughs> yeah. to brag about how nice they were, but they weren't their house? Or pimp my rides, and then all these people wrote back years later. He's like, yeah, all they did was throw a plastic shell in my car. It still sucked. <laughs> <laughs> they took my 92 Grand Turismo and fucking added a fish tank, and now it can't fucking drive. <laughs> Why do I need five Yo, TVs? Dog, put a dog on your dog, dog. Like, what? <laughs> just quote like a, a six-year-old meme. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, yeah, that's that's the episode. We are starting a cult. I'm done. Done. Now. Wait, wait, wait. Seinfeld? Are we doing Seinfeld? No, I thought we were going to switch it up to... Uh... Frasier? We're going to sing the Frasier song? I don't know the Frasier song. <laughs> Uh, what I do not know it. I'm not doing it by myself. We'll come back to uh, it. I'll teach you it. Yeah, we'll teach you. All right, teach me it. Not right oh. now. Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do ASMR Seinfeld. 
Don't do that. <laughs> Alright, I'll take a cover off here. That was terrifying. Holy shit. Are you Talk about spooky. This is the spookiest <laughs> part of this episode. Are you the Watcher? This is Georgie signing off, <laughs> a.k.a. The Watcher. <laughs> All right. Perfect. All right. Wait, 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 wait. What about if The Watcher is that old lady from Monsters, Inc.? I'm always watching you. <laughs> Wazowski. I'm always watching you, That's the one line that you remember yeah. from her. It was the best line of the movie. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Roz? Or something? Oh, something like that. All right. See you guys. Right. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.